Can you believe in a finite object possessing infinite power? Or that a mineral can be proclaimed the medicine of the 21st century? Or that the power of nature can win over the ignorance of man? If you can, you will know why our mission is to get Shungite to the masses. You are entering the Shungite zone. This is the Shungite radio show produced by Cosmic Reality Radio. And welcome to Shungite Reality. It's November 7th, 2023. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Derek Condit, Mark Joseph, and Walt Silva. Uh, is Jalissa going to be on later, or you don't know? I don't know right now, but good morning, everyone. Okay. Yes, good morning, everybody. You guys want to say hi? Morning, Hello. everybody. Hey, <laughs> okay. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me again. Yes, yes, welcome back. Um, okay, so let's get our weekly update on um, Bigfoot's Den. We're we're happy campers almost. <laughs> yeah, I think we're we're kind of we we have light at the end of the tunnel. I'll say so. Literally, what's been keeping us from being open, like I mentioned before, is just um, the health department inspection. So they're probably overwhelmed, something like that. But we found out we get our inspection tomorrow. So that'll be, and then there's another step after that because then you apply for the permit, but that really shouldn't take too long. Um, and we're, you know, we prepped well for the inspection. Um, so, you know, crossing my fingers here, hopefully everything goes great there, and it should. So, and then after, so we're guesstimating a couple weeks, and then we're going to be open for business. So that's, in, we've been doing just, and Nancy, I know you know this, but for the listeners, we are open now for private events um, and or birthday parties, things like that, because we have the whole game floor. So the whole inside is ready to go, but no kitchen accessible yet until we get that permit. So what people have been doing, and we've had several already now, is, you know, bringing in dominoes from down the street or there's, a, you know, a couple bars. There's one right across the street where they can order from as well. Uh, so they have those options to bring in their own food and, and cake and then make use of the game floor and they've been doing that So it's been some I guess Nancy we can call it uh, as Walt would know as well probably everybody beta testing So we've been beta testing the game floor all the to see what goes wrong because you know those basketballs There's foosballs there's pucks from the no, but, but it's a, it's a great it's a it's a great uh, trial and error because now when when you're when your kitchen finally opens People will see how much better the food is from the other stuff they brought. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> yep. Yep, exactly. And that's and they're gonna some of them are gonna cater and bring stuff in, but they all get it. We have a partial bar open now with some uh beer, wine, and cider. So we gotta have food available to them, and that's where we're bringing in the neighbors, um, other local restaurants and just working that way. But now hopefully then we'll be like I said, fully up and running in a couple weeks. Um, I don't know, Nancy, did you want me to jump right in and talk about the images and stuff i put in the chat um i didn't see what you put in the That's chat okay. the bigfoot encounters thing that we're i guess i'm already into it now oh yeah, yes and i also want you to talk about the people that have been interacting with uh you know like the biker guy that <laughs> gets oh okay yeah <laughs> those stories really i just love the stories 
and I got to remember not to cut them so short because I truncate stuff so much because, you know, in my head, I think, oh, you're just babbling. Nobody wants to hear this stuff. That's literally what I was thinking. So then I just chop off big pieces. Um, so I'll do my best. But when that, let's just jump into that because what Nancy's talking about ties in what I just said. We're doing events and birthdays and I, we had one a couple of days ago here um, at Bigfoot's Den and it was a party and I was, I'll be as vague as I you know, I can't be in this. Um, there are, you know, lots of adults, lots of kids, probably, I don't know, 35 something people upstairs. And then we bring out, cause we make it an option. And this one, again, I said it was a birthday party. So it was for a nine year old and friends and family showed up as well. One of them was a, a you know, just for a visual purpose, a, a big rough and tough biker guy. He literally pulled up on a Harley and we chatted for some time down there, um, down at the bar when I was, when I was hooking him up down there. So long story short, well, again, oh, there I go, chopping it off. As we're doing the party and things, they did make the request because we make it an option. It's not a paid for thing. You can just say, yep, and we'll bring out Bigfoot for you. So I have a whole costume with I actually bought a whole suit online that came with, and I'll get an image somewhere, get it up there. There's some of the image, for those who do want to look now, at bigfoots-den.com. Uh, just scroll down. You'll see me in the costume playing an arcade game. I think I'm playing Pac-Man, or uh, I think I'm pouring a beer for myself in a pitcher. But that's the costume um, that we brought in. And I actually took a pair of my tennis shoes, Nancy. And so these are big, bigfoot feet. They're probably a foot long um large enough for me to stick my tennis shoes in and i got one of those cans of spray foam and sprayed it all around on the inside of the feet so it would fatten up the the rubber bigfoot feet and then adhere to the shoe so now i just basically you know put on my shoes with bigfoot feet secured to them um so and then actually with the learning curve on that one just to give more detail um the bottom i had used gorilla tape just to because you know they're not made to walk around on and we we had them in the parade as well. I'm um, not walking a lot in that one, though. So long story short, we're just putting a, a layer on the bottom of them. So I dressed up our chef in that because on these events, there's only, I mean, we've only done three or four of them already um, just the past couple of days. There's minimal staff here. It's usually Jalissa and myself and maybe one other person. Um, we've had two at most on one and he was in the kitchen doing stuff. So what I'm saying is, because we don't have everybody going here right now that often I'm going to have to get in the thing, which, but now because of our chef, he's six foot tall. I'm uh, a lot less than that. So we put him in it, but I had to bring in my, uh, I'm looking at it over here, big heavy leather jacket. that's just bulky that I used to ride on my motorcycle. Um, have him put it on. Then he puts a suit over that to, to fatten him up a little bit. And then he puts on that mask and comes out and, you know, does a selfie shots with the kids. Very few people even notice, give you visual, we're upstairs on the second floor, there's a bunch of games, pool tables off on much of the floor, but down the hallways where you start to enter my office and, and Jalissa's office and just the, the back office area will say, so there's a door there and I'm explaining all this for a reason. They don't necessarily see us, the people on the floor, that all of a sudden a six foot tall something Bigfoot is just walking out of almost nowhere because in that area, there's no reason you'd go back there you can just hit a quick glance, see no games over there. So it's just kind of not in your thought process. But then we come walking out and he goes over there. And then that's when you go, you hear, usually before we round the corner, it's the, not just the kids, the adults going, there's Bigfoot, Bigfoot. Because they don't get told he's coming out. We don't announce, well, sit down, five minutes, he's coming out. Uh, so we walk out and then we get the sightings. And then that, 
that biker guy, you know, you think just rough and tough. And he was a really great guy, actually. Um, he got startled because he was looking down at his phone. So he was one of those that was, you know, playing on his phone and, and then all of a sudden looked up and I just happened to be standing next to him because I walked away because all of a sudden the adults that saw him coming out in the costume, you know, phones up in the air. And so I'm kind of, you know, exiting to get out of the shot and let him do his thing. And we have a whole deal where he, he, he does a good job too. Um, his name is Jake. He performs the Sasquatch really well. He's not out there, you know, howling and roaring. I mean, he'll talk to the kids if they come up, but uh, he's just really friendly and really great with kids uh, and does the part well. So then all of a sudden that, that again, I just call him a biker guy. I don't even remember his name, but just for the reference, um, he looks up and he, you know, he kind of shakes and gets startled. And I hear him catching his breath and other people around him did as well. He goes, well, I didn't know he was there. And he said something like that. I just look up and there's a Bigfoot. And he was, Jake was probably 10 feet from him at the time. So that startled him. And then there's another uh adult guy over on the arcade area that didn't see him in time either he was actually a little upset he missed the whole bigfoot encounter um but now he's going to come back for another event uh i've heard and for just check that out again that happened too nancy i didn't tell you that one our first birthday party i don't know seven year old i think it was a little guy and then the very next one half those same people i guess well yeah it is small town everybody knows everybody so more than half those kids showed up at the second day as well um, at the next birthday party because one of the parents in that one liked the space so much that I guess they booked it. I didn't know anything about it. Jalissa was doing all that. Booked that. So they're enjoying the space and having fun. And especially, like I said, the, the whole Bigfoot encounter um, as far as us bringing them out there. Uh, I was going to, so the other thing we were talking about is I was going to add on that those in chat, but it's also on the website now, again, bigfoots-den.com. Um, a Bigfoot encounters form because over the past, I don't even know how many years now, well, for decades to me from various people, but as intentionally with me from when I opened Mystical Wares, I've had people come in and just talk to me about Bigfoot encounters or sightings they've had, or a friend told them this or a relative or whatever. Um, and I, you know, I listen to the stories we chat about it. I tell them about mine and my dad's and we can probably get into that if we want um, in a minute. But just that was that left it there. I go, I live in the Northwest, of course, you know, it's a thing. Well, now because of Bigfoot's Den, I've got, you know, kind of the platform, of course, to take those uh, reports and sightings. And that's what I'm getting at on the bottom of the webpage is a form. And it just went up, I don't know, 20 minutes ago or so. So I don't have anything to report from that yet. But that's where people can report their own sightings or stories, encounters of, again, them or friends or relatives. And we'll start accumulating these things. And they can be anonymous too. So there's a way of doing that. Um, you just leave your info out and then we're gonna accumulate these and post them and share them online. And from, you know, occasionally when we get enough of them to read, maybe we'll do it here on the podcast if, if everybody wants to. Um, I'm trying to think about it. So that's what's going on there. And then Nancy, unless you wanna jump somewhere else, I can get into mine and my dad's, which are different stories, by the way, or sightings. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely go for it because <sighs> Bigfoot is just kind of like one of those things that when well let me tell you about, about my first encounter with it in a way, weird way because I was like I think I was probably 16 and I came home I was at home and my brother walked in the door who was uh, 
let's see, he's, he, I must have been older than that, because I think he was about 13, so I, I might have been 18, and he comes in, and he's like all really kind of like excited, and I said, you know, what, 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 what you all right? Because he, he was like, oh my God, oh my God, you know, and so, well, him and his friends had been out in the backwoods from where we live. And he said, and then we saw, and he proceeds to describe Bigfoot, which I had never heard about before, ever. And, you know, he's talking about it. And um, so I, you know, and, and he's just, he stops the story. I said, well, what'd you do? He said, oh, my buddy took a shot at him. I shot at him. You shot at him? And he was like, yeah. And I'm going like, I don't know. I don't know what this Bigfoot is, but I don't think I'd shoot at something that looked that big. With a 22 or whatever little thing they had, you know, um, but so, so before I ever heard of Bigfoot from anybody or on television or stories or anything, my little brother had had an encounter with it. So uh, from the get go, I thought this is real because I I was with that kid right after he'd seen it, and then he and he thought it was real. So go ahead, let me let me hear your stories there. Yeah, my um mine is. I've had lots. Well, I've lived in the Northwest for decades now, so I've had lots of the, and I'll get to more interesting ones in a minute. You know, vague encounters, I guess you can say, where you hear the noises, the tree knocking, uh, the like horrible smells, uh, gifting, all kinds of stuff like that. Just I don't know how many times. Um, there's, also, there's also the shining eyes or something. Have you seen that? That's another. No, I didn't. I've only gone out at night night really dark and i've got some night vision goggles and lots of goodies to play with and uh fleer add-ons to my phone and stuff but i just found those so limiting i mean you'd have to be almost on top at least with the models i had of course you know there's bigger and uh, more expensive stuff out there so i didn't see much find much use in that and that just wasn't convenient for me for whatever reason but no not much night stuff where i didn't see eyes shine because my sighting when i'm jumping to that was actually when i was a washington state correctional officer which I did for 16 years in the Monroe Correctional Complex. I'm getting a little specific just so locals know if they're listening to this, because um, I'm getting a lot closer in in just a moment. Uh, that's I was a graveyard shift officer for almost the entire time. So basically, I was driving from, at the time, I lived in Gold Bar, Washington. And that's actually where the first Shungite beehives um, were ever you know, created or put together or thought of, all of that. My first introduction to Shungite was in Gold Bar, Washington. I wish I could place that timing, like how much after this, that, and the other. But, you know, especially you, Nancy, you know, me and my lack of memory and on that kind of stuff. But it it was that time frame. So, because I was only there for so long in Gold Bar, but it was one of those nights I was heading to work. It wasn't dark out. It was, you know, dusk. So it was beginning to be. And I was driving along Highway 2, heading west. So from Gold Bar to uh, Monroe, the city of Monroe. And the prison was called again the well washington state reformatory or um there's lots of names for it so the Monroe correctional complex so i was heading there and along just past the city of um startup and sultan so these are two little tiny towns that are between me and monroe and by the way none of including Goldbar or these two of the towns have any traffic lights there's only one stop sign so we're talking about little tiny dinky places at the base of the cascade mountains so in them actually so that's where, and you know, and they can Google that and look at the map, see what I'm talking about. So you're talking about deep in the forest out there. And then driving into work on Highway 2, what I saw was, and I wasn't 
given any thought to it. I was kind of driving around, probably listening to a podcast of some sort on the way to work. And I see ahead of me, um, and we're going 55-ish miles an hour in that area. It's, it's a set time, meaning a speed limit, and there's usually other cars, so it's not like you're speeding through there. So what I saw ahead of me, I don't know how far, you know, easy several hundred yards. So, but close enough to see what's going on, I just see a figure that's crossing the highway, let me think here, highway from south to north. And I was heading west at the time, so towards the ocean and the city of Monroe. So I saw it, and then I didn't initially too much thought about it. I was like, what the heck? It just, it had to process. So, you know, I had to catch myself. I was like, what's going on there? That's kind of big. It shouldn't be doing that. And I'm just, you know, analyzing the whole thing. And it was more, no more than a couple. It was just one lane highway each side, east and west going. So it was a, it was a mountain highway that goes straight up to over the pass, it's called. So... It wasn't a big highway. He was across it, or they were across it in a matter of strides. I wasn't counting it or anything like that, but it was unbelievably just over there from A to B real quickly. And on that exact patch of highway I was at, and this is why I mentioned to the any locals listening or somebody's familiar with the area, uh, there's a little tiny steeple or a little tiny church that maybe two people can fit in. And I'm not kidding. It's like almost a large dog house, but it's a, you know, kind of a, a last chance praying point before you head up in the mountains. And I live, I don't know, 10 miles past that out in Gold Bar, um, past that point. And I mentioned that because it's a reference in height. So if you walk up to it, say a six foot man, the top of the steeples, maybe seven foot tall. So I'm talking, you have to crouch down to get in this little tiny thing. Um, but it does fit, uh, fit a couple people. So and that's about the area. And that was on the right side of the road as I was approaching that that I saw the Bigfoot crossing and off to the right, which would now be the north, it's the right side of the highway, where had to been corn stalks because it was fields, and then maybe 100 yards of fields, and then just dense mountains right from that point on until you get into another city. I moved the Shungite Beast to, which is called Darrington. So I don't know if I've mentioned that before, Nancy, but it was literally just over the mountain um, from Goldbar to Darrington when I drove them in that winter and the snow and all that. But so the, I know the area back there because I've hiked it. I've been in as far as you can go. So the whole encounter, which isn't that exciting really, was the, the Bigfoot, I can't say Sasquatch, um, crossing the highway, didn't look back at me or anything, didn't wave, nothing like it. it was, and then straight into the fields where it still stood above easily, easily a couple feet because I could see him the whole way and then just disappeared in the forest. And I was wondering, okay, because I was still kind of, let's say, advancing uh working with my sight then so i'm like am i just seeing another woo woo thing and so i glanced in my mirror and again there's traffic nobody was coming at me at the time but behind me there were cars and i started to see some of them pulling over as this was happening that told me well they're seeing it too kind of thing um and i didn't have a chance i don't even know for sure if i even had a cell phone at that time because this was you know some years ago uh, but no there's no i didn't get any video or you know just wasn't the thing. I don't know if they did. I didn't really talk to anybody. We just drove after that. Um, so again, not the most exciting sighting, but it was <laughs> the next year. I never thought about that either. That my dad, who's 87 now, I believe. So he was in his, I think it was maybe 83 about that time frame. He came visiting Gold Bar while I still lived there. He drove down in his RV, stayed there on our property for, I don't know, you know, week or so. And it was one of these nights during that week, you know, I'd 
I was still an officer, so I was going to work and he was just taking a vacation kind of thing. Didn't really worry if I was coming or going. Um, but I just happened to have that, you know, rare night off being a correctional officer, which you don't get many of those to hang out with him out back. And we, you know, bonfires sitting under some apple trees, <clears throat> they were on the property. And he starts to tell me the story. And my sister had texted me, I don't know, two weeks before that. No, she didn't text me. I must have talked to her on the phone. So somehow we communicated because she told me about, she said, did dad tell you about his Bigfoot story? And I'm like, no, what are you even talking about? And then I'll move quickly through this part. She just goes on to tell me, reiterate what I'm going to tell you in a minute, that he said, and she said, yeah, he told me about it two years ago. And I'm like, what? And he didn't tell me? So, and then move fast forward here a couple of weeks when my dad shows up because I told her he was coming to visit sort of thing. So she goes into that and says, well, you don't ask him about it. Um, so I did. And then we're chatting about it. And my dad, again, he was, I don't know, early eighties. When this happened, he owned 44 acres in uh, Fort Jones, California. So Northern California, just darn near on the coast, just huge wooded area that used to be um, logged way back in the day. So his property, and it had no, no neighbors. I mean, he had his 40 acres. The neighbors had that or more. So it's not like he would see anybody. Um, so he would, what he would do is he, we're old gold prospectors, he and I both, and or rock hounds. So literally gold mining and um, and then doing surveys and different things. And then when I say uh, rock hounding or prospecting, going out, picking up petrified wood, quartz crystal, whatever it was in the year we were doing it. And it varied and expanded as, as I got older. Um, and I'm saying that because, so now you can, what you do when you do something like that is you walk real slow. If you're looking around, you're just looking for different rocks and you know something out of the ordinary on the ground to give you a trail to find to start, you know, do some more prospecting. So he was doing this on his property on an old logging road, just, you know, 87 years old walking really really slow not because he's 87 years old because he's actually an ultra runner i mean he could i quit running probably a little bit before that but he was walking really slow because he was looking at the stuff on the ground and look at the minerals and he'll kick stuff and i've done this with him my whole life so i get the benefit of that visual just to stay how slow he's going and there's a reason i'm emphasizing that so as he's out on his 40 something acres walking around it's in the fall time he told me he's walking through there just prospecting looking around he rounds the corner of or a bend in the road um where there's some rock outcropping so you couldn't see around it and he goes on to tell me he says derek um well actually before i get into this i'll tell you a little more about him he's and i didn't know this either until his 80s that he was actually in the nsa so he was an actual spy and i he only told me so much about that because until then all i knew was he was a Marine. He said he was a radio operator. Um, and what he, and he talked, we chatted about this, so I know what I can and can't say here. And it's not that I have any secrets or anything, but he only told me what, you know, I could share. And so he would tell me, they would fly him and his team. I don't know if he told me the type of plane, but during, uh, so it wasn't just during war. It was just any time where he was apparently able to translate Morse code and other codes, he didn't get into that, that they would hear over the radio because he told me he was a Marine radio operator. That was it, end of the story, nothing more to it. And that's all I knew my whole life and just never gave it any thought. But what he did was they would, he would, I, I wish, I'm going to have to chat with him, Nancy, too. So about this, I'm going to get him to, 
repeat his Bigfoot encounter with me on audio next time I see him, and then also see if he can give me more info on this. But whatever he would do, he would translate the codes he would hear as he would hear them, and then just write them out and just translate what they were saying. I don't, I don't know any more than that. I wish I could. Um, and then they would fly him different places. They'd have him in, it was nothing too exciting, you know, whole hotels to them where there would be a listening post set up. And, you know, not much more than that would he really tell me. Uh, okay. So, okay. So he was essentially um, listening for, he's, he's, it's not like he's communicating with people over this. He's actually listening yeah. for those signals. Okay. And he could translate them into, he didn't know he was doing it, but it was an intuitive thing as well. He had no idea. He didn't know, he didn't know anything about what I do. Um, he just kind of sits there. He just looks at me when we talk about it. Um, my mom was the one that was the psychic one that, you know, the family didn't understand. They didn't call it psychic. They just knew Doris, and she's passed on now. Doris knows stuff, and if this happens, and, you know, she touches her hand. It was all kinds of crazy stuff when I was growing up that I never put together till later. And I've never told most of those stories. But back to this one. So, and he's the most... And then he ran a huge portion of the AAA, the auto club of Southern California after that. So just a real suit and tie, literally a suit and tie guy, as conservative as you can imagine, um, never talked a word of woo-woo in his life of any kind, um, th- th- isn't capable of lying. He's just that type of person, if you can imagine. Um, and it's not in him to do that anyway. So he goes on to tell me, I walk around the corner and then, and he doesn't know what a Bigfoot is or Sasquatch. She's, he doesn't sit around watching Finding Bigfoot or Bigfoot Encounters or whatever the show is nowadays that's going on. That's not his thing. He's watching his Sunday football or his news and he's arguing with the newscaster. That's, that's him, just so again, you get the visual. He has no idea, so he doesn't know to tell me, Derek, I saw a Bigfoot. What he says is, I walked around the corner, I was doing it. He goes in his spiel about how I was looking for this uh, white quartz because that's where you'll find the gold. And he trails off on that story for a little while. Um, and then, so we chat about that. And he says, I look up and he goes into describing. He says, at least seven or eight feet tall. He's like OCD, just like I am. So then he knows his visual of a tree or that hillside, how much it's cut into because he's reached up to the grab a rock before. So, you know, he'll go that hyper OCD on things. Um, which is a good thing and then he tells me i don't know what it was he says it was that tall really large completely covered in hair and he, I, i'm listening to him and i'm at this point i don't know that he doesn't know bigfoot is i think everybody on the planet knows what bigfoot is or at least sasquatch that term he has no idea. so i'm just standing there listening or sitting there listening and we're drinking his old coors light cans that he brought out that he always does um and then he's, he tells me he says it's that tall and it was you know again describes a bigfoot and I go, Dad, you saw Bigfoot. And he's go, you know, he just kind of looks at me for a second. He goes, you have big feet. I'm like, no, that's what they're called. So I go in and describe it and tell him. And I'm like, okay, this is what they're called. And I said, what else happened? He goes, not much. He said, he stood there and looked at it for almost a minute. And he's an ultra runner, like I said. So meaning he times things his entire life. I literally don't remember how many marathons he's done. It's in the hundreds and ultra runs. So meaning that pinpoint accurate kind of guy. So he's pretty close on his, his guesstimate in his head. He says, about a minute, I'm just looking at him, didn't know what to make of him. I said, what was he doing? He says he was eating, and he, he says he was eating the berries, the berries that grow up along the side of the, the road there. And I go, and then he said, I said, what did he do? He said, eventually he turned around and looked at me and just stood there. And they stared at each other for about another minute. And then the Bigfoot literally leapt off to the, over the bushes and ran off 
nothing more than that had happened. So it wasn't any more, again, not, that's pretty interesting encounter from my perspective, but some people, you know, think you're going to walk up and chit chat, but it didn't growl at him. It didn't, I asked him, I said, were you intimidated? I go, no, I wasn't scared at all. He just stood there neutral, kind of like what I, oh, my ears are like, oh my gosh, hang on a second. Some big old tone is like reverberating right through my entire head right now. Um, I'm trying to ignore it. So, ooh, that's interesting. Um, he goes to tell me about that. I'm focusing too much on that is what's going on here, I can see. So he says it ran off, and that was all the more it was. He didn't know he wasn't intimidated by it. It didn't come after him. It was no aggression. And then, again, he just didn't know what to make of it. And it's not like he's going to, you know, log on to what I just talked about that's now available to submit your stories um, on BigfootStand.com, but he wouldn't have anyway. So yeah, that was his, his encounter, too, and that was especially interesting from somebody who, you know, I know personally, of course, my dad, and I know his background, and very little am I talking about now. So, and then the fact that he clearly had no idea what he even saw. Um, so that was interesting, too, because it took me a minute to even put that together, Nancy, in my head that, oh, and I didn't say it out loud. I'm like, he has no idea what a Bigfoot is. He just doesn't. And I was kind of, you know, thinking, jumped in my head. I'm like, oh, come on, Dad. And I'm just waiting for him to finish speaking so I could tell me, blah, 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 and, you know, start telling him some information. And so that was all the more um, the only encounter that, he had with him so has have you ever had another conversation about it he just told you about it, it was a story and you know he doesn't think about it or i mean i didn't it, give it any thought what's i chat about one other time on the phone uh i don't know a couple of years ago and then until recently i didn't think about it. I'm like oh i gotta get up there and actually hit record on my phone and have him go through the whole spiel um but no no he's just not that type of guy he doesn't he, he couldn't have drugged that story out as long as I just did. I felt like I drug it out forever and bored the heck out of everybody. He's like, boom, short, concise, just get the word down. You know, he's just that that way. Not in a bad way. He's just, so, no, he just doesn't get any thought. He says, I didn't know what to make of it. I don't really give it any thought. And then, boom, next topic. He's not because trying to hide anything. We interviewed, um, and I think it might be on this show, maybe you know him, but we interviewed this guy that, or maybe it was on television. I don't know. But this guy tells a story about being here in Florida, northern Florida, late at night on a back road. And he has this encounter with a Sasquatch or Bigfoot or Swamp Monster, whatever they call it down here. And he, it was, it, it, the, it, somebody was interviewing them. I don't know who it was. But maybe it was me. But somebody was interviewing them. And they said, well... What did you believe? And this is that you know you 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 set your dad up good to understand who he is, but you know I mean that's an important thing. Is wh who were you just before you met the the Sasquatch? And uh, <laughs> the guy said, I was a Christian Christian evangelistic Christian. He said, he said I was an evangelistic Christic Christian the second before I met Bigfoot. <laughs> And after that, his entire life has been semi-dedicated to pursuing the Bigfoot story. Um, but your dad, it was just like, well, that's an interesting thing. You know, I mm -hmm. asked my brother about his, you know, do you remember? And it was like, he didn't even remember it. And he remembers everything. But I think, you know, it's your brain saying, I, I just don't know what that is. And I'm not going to think about it. And so it kind of like gets put in the trash bin 
Yeah, no, and I didn't, my whole plan wasn't to start accumulating Bigfoot stories up here, this, that, and the other. It's just people start telling me about them. I'm like, oh, well, I mean, it makes sense why they would, just because of the name of the place, Bigfoot's Den. Um, and then at Mystical Wares, just because of the woo-woo um, around there. So, no, it's, but that's what's happening. So I thought, okay. And even there's a Bigfoot museum, I don't know, maybe five miles from us here. It's a house, basically the guy turned his house and his attached and detached sheds and garages into every type of Bigfoot memorabilia you can imagine or carving or this, that, there's hundreds of things there. And it's called the Bigfoot Museum. So for years, uh, people have been going there doing similar things, submitting their stories. He's coming to Mr. Squares a few times and um, he knows about this place. So we'll chat again and maybe group stories together because it's, it's not a competition thing. It's not a money-making thing. It's, it's about sharing the information and getting people to have the you know, realizations. So we'll be chatting with him and do different events here. Yeah, sharing the information. Because otherwise they're seeing stuff that, you know, it's not that, it's not the, the one-on-one people's interaction with the story. It's, you know, somebody on television doing a scripted thing or something. So, you know, it, it, it's a totally different feeling when somebody has a story to tell, whether it's theirs or somebody else's, you know, they're just repeating. But it's so important for people to understand that the universe is a very strange place, <laughs> and we don't know most most of most of what we know is nothing compared to what is. You know, it's like a drop in the ocean. Yeah. I wrote the word "bike" down here before the show. What was that a reminder for you? Something from you. Say again. Bike. Oh, I think it was because you. Okay, the motorcycle guy. Okay. Oh, the biker. Yeah, I was like, why did I write? <laughs> I'm like, I should write more down because now I'm sitting here looking at this. Go, shoot! Did I forget to mention something Nancy wanted to hear? Um, <laughs> I, my notes never make any sense to me either. <laughs> <laughs> but um, okay, so um, well, let's just ask Mark. What you got? Some things you wanted to to talk about, or Walt? Do you have anything? Walt normally just goes with the flow, but. Um, Either. No, I'm listening to your to your uh, stories. <laughs> in, no, in fact, I I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I was just uh, sh- uh, sharing a few words with uh, Dolly, but I, I'm still listening to the conversation. Well, let me ask you this: Have you ever um, you you grew up in Argentina? Do they have a big foot in Argentina? Uh, there might be in the southern part of the country where the the forest, there's a famous forest in the, um, I mean, I, I grew up in the state of Mendoza. Be, beneath that state is, uh, uh, south of the state, there's a, an, an area of Argentina that's well known because it's very, there's a lot of Nazis there because it's, it's known as the Argentine Switzerland. So it's very ritzy, very uh, rich people. And there is a whole forest that's known as the forest of the Ara- 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 the forest of the Arayanes. And um, it was the actually it was uh, it, it, the inspiration. It was actually used as the inspiration for the movie Bambi. I don't know why they use that forest, but it's, it has something to do with the shape of the trees or something. And uh, uh, I suspect there might be a lot of story of that with those, uh, something like that might be 
in that area because you see the the whole the whole terrain the whole uh, area uh, is, is the is the natural land of the uh, Mapuches the Native American people there the the Mapuches so I'm sure they have some story concerning some uh, uh, what you call a Bigfoot only they might have a different name for it. The, the only the only difference I've seen in, in all these different stories and how they vary from each other is the is the the, the one the Yaoi the one that uh, they use that name in in, in uh, Australia because every story that I've heard of, of the Sasquatch or the Bigfoot or whatever name they choose to designate it um, it's a uh, it's a curious it's curious. It's, uh, it has surprising abilities, uh, invisibility, or it can it can do amazing things, but uh, none of the, none of the descriptions I've heard are anywhere near to dangerous. But when I hear the stories and, and the things that, that people describe of the Yowie, which is a a very uh, a very uh, what do you call it Bigfoot like creature in 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 your in Australia. They're actually dangerous reports. They they indicate like uh, physical attacks. I haven't heard of anything anybody dead, but uh, I hear of uh, physical encounters with this. So I don't know if it's a totally different type of creature, like the yeti is a totally different type of creature. So, Derek, what do you think about that? I, I mean, because mo I, you don't seem to be afraid of them. You've named your your business after them, but there are reports. What do you suspect that might be true or false, or you know, just certain certain groups may be more aggressive than others? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, any entity piss it off enough, it's going to respond that way to you. I mean, yeah, it just depends. I mean, and or sometimes they're and usually they're fake aggressive attacks. They're like you know throwing a rock or not actually hitting because they can walk up and grab you if they wanted to, trying to scare them out of there, sort of thing. Um, no, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Any of the stories that are, and we'll see what I get reported to us. But I've never, nobody, I've never heard anybody actually hurt or anything like that. When I communicate, again, I'm not communicating aggressively, or so it's not like I can get that back. I mean, it's just like when you respond to bees, you get what you put out. Walk up all stressed and anxious, scared about being stung. Well, I guarantee you, what's going to happen? I mean, it's so it's all yeah, just feeling, holding the right space when. Yeah, know. natural creatures will reflect what you're putting out. If you're putting out negativity, they'll they'll respond in like, mm -hmm. because yeah. they they have no way of knowing if they have to protect themselves. Since you're reacting negatively, they 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 their their natural reaction is oh, I better watch out. Is he's not? They're not going to give you a birthday cake. Oh, this guy is acting like he wants to kill me. I better offer him a cake. No, no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Everybody listening knows that feeling too. You've felt it before in life. You know, <laughs> so to get away from that person or not or whatever. So just imagine, you know, having those heightened instincts and knowing you have way more than six senses. Um, so not just using the sixth sense, but additional ones um, or levels of perception. So oh yeah, they can affect uh, a lot of the reports when they talk about invisibility. Sometimes, and remember, I'm not saying everything's always this or that or the other. Um, they're using devices, electronic ones, and what they can do is blast. I did, in fact, I'll get into it. Did it twice yesterday myself during sessions. 
um, meaning heighten the environment, and I gotta use that vague word, word energies, with additional frequencies that will mess with electronics and things. I have all mine on multiple um, battery backup systems here for that reason. Because when I, yesterday, again, just quick example, you know, again, I gotta be big, did my thing in here, and you can see instantaneously everything just resets in here. Sometimes the power goes out, sometimes the registers do, in here just all blinked. Um, and that was during two different sessions. It wasn't a random thing. It's exactly on, on cue. So they, and not just me, I can do it. Everybody can do these. I'm not saying you want to walk around zapping your electronics. That's not what I was doing. I was just doing the, I'll just say energy work. And then that's sometimes what happens. So it can be done intentionally. That's what they'll do is heighten their environment. And then they'll kind of, you know, blast your electronics or shut them off or drain the battery, all sorts of stuff. And that's why I'm saying the invisible thing is all of a sudden they'll blink out sometimes or your thing will glitch, um, whatever your device you're using. Well, there's a, there's another, another uh, thing to be aware of. M most humans are unfortunately still stuck in the third dimension, whereas these creatures aren't, aren't limited to that. They can shift themselves into fourth and fifth so that they, we think they just became invisible. Well, they became invisible to us, but not to themselves. They're perfectly visible. It's just that they're sitting in a different con continuum. So, oh yeah, to our eyes they're invisible, but they're not invisible. Oh yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> I've, I've somebody asked me about that once, and I basically the only description I could come up with way of saying it was because I see him doing that. I was out there with my daughter one time when they were invisible, um, grabbing branches and stuff, and I could see him. She didn't see him, so I had to look at branches. They also they grab and swing down and all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, what they're doing is setting their biofield or aura to a particular frequency or out of frequency with physical, and then we just don't perceive them kind of thing. So you can put my, oh man, the pressure, my right ear, it's tuning, and too much, when I, certain woo-woo things I do will affect me differently in different ears um, with different tones and things like that, you know, tinnitus-like symptoms. So sometimes those get a little, when I tune into stuff and weird how that works, I wish I understood it more. Um, that's what happens. That's what happens now. When I'm imagining or remoting back to that circumstance, it starts tuning in what was happening there, and I get to feel it. It's really odd. I'm not only bringing it up because it just zapped me in the head. Um, uh, I'm trying to say, oh yeah, that's and then they can tune back in when they want. So in essence, yeah, they're invisible. They're just in a different density. Yeah. Uh, they do. What did I hear the other day? Some doctor was involved uh, on an expedition for him. Talk about uh, sub, maybe you know the term, uh, Walt. It's sub, subsonic sounds. They can, yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. There's another word as well. Yeah. Um, yeah they, uh, they, they can reverberate on that frequency that humans can't do. And that's when, that's why sometimes people report they feel nauseous when they come up or they can get all of a sudden sick. They're putting, just like these um, frequency weapons that probably most militaries are now using nowadays um, are doing, they can, yeah, turn a certain frequency in your direction, and yes, it'll affect your biofield and make you nauseous, throw up, unconscious. They can do all kinds of things. And not just the devices, but Bigfoots can. They're not the only animal either. That, that was the in intention with, uh, back in the, <clears throat> what year is the what, in the, in the year? 80s when they were uh, de deploying all the uh, cell phone towers 
the, the they were doing the ELF things ex extremely low frequency. They were do, doing doing it on purpose because they with the extremely low frequencies they can make you depressive, they can make you sad, they can make you angry. They, so so that's why this uh, gentleman Don Croft who was living in uh, Idaho at the time, that's why he started this gifting movement because when when you have <clears throat> when you put uh, organite in the towers, you dis you disabled you disabled that that in in order for those frequencies to do the, their thing, they need to be surrounded by door deadly argon radiation. So by eliminating that by putting organite in place, then the, they can't do that anymore. So that's why he started the whole gifting movement around the country. People would put these. Uh, they would call these uh, uh, tower. Uh, uh, they would call them tower busters, or they would call it. Or they were using, you know, these little Dixie cups and filled them with a with a mixture of uh, resin, resin and metal shavings, and because that's how the, you would you would disable the, these things. Because if you don't disable the towers, you get you get a hit. Either you feel depressed, or you feel hungry, or you whatever. Whatever they 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 have, they mess around with your energy by doing that. So that's why this this whole gifting thing started with the the, the towers. Now I don't know what they did about uh, the what do you call it the, the 5G because you know that was a totally a total by game changer. But by then it, it wasn't. It wasn't important anymore because this Shanghai took care of that. Shanghai goes beyond organite because unfortunately the organite could get depleted. Shanghai doesn't. That's that's how that, that's how I discovered uh, the the th the other thing. That's why I ended up uh, working on uh, making so many different things with the uh, with the Shanghai because. With the Shanghai, you don't have that weakness that you have with organite. That it needs to be, it has to be depleted, and you have to clean it up, and you have to the discharge all that. No, no, you don't have. You Shanghai doesn't have that limitation. So, but I'm straying from the topic. Let's go back to Bigfoot. <laughs> no, that's that, that's okay because you're not really. But they, um, when we're talking about those subsonic sounds, yeah, they've actually done studies on that with lions, and that's why animals and many people freeze. When uh, actually it was tigers, tigers, what lions do too. So any of the big cats can reach that frequency to where often people, you know, depending on your your energy state, um, will literally freeze and or just run. You know, that's that whole fight or flight thing. So it can be triggered by a frequency. Um, uh, the same thing they did with with uh, uh, sharks. The sharks oh, yeah. will will react to certain frequencies and just beat the hell out of there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. So, yeah, I was to say, Mark, where did you grow up and did you have uh, not necessarily just the Bigfoot, but like other weird things? I mean, uh, you know, you, you can't help if you watch the programs I watch to find out that in this particular area they got this creepy thing and. You know, in that particular area, they got that creepy thing, and it's like stories of mythical creatures. Did you grow up in that kind of an environment? You're asking me or, or Derek? No, you. Oh, 
Um, no, just boring suburbia. Nothing um, too out there. I have, yeah, I don't have. I haven't seen anything like that. I had to go look for it. <laughs> Found you guys. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah, we. I I I don't know if I talked about it on this show, <clears throat> but on Halloween, Jesse Waters had this person that this woman that uh, identifies as a vampire, and. I think we might have mentioned it or I've talked to you guys about it. But anyway, so we, I've got this thing about, you know, vampire that, that, that we've been talking about. And then I was watching something and they started to talk about vampires. Oh, I know it was, <clears throat> it was Gates. And he was doing, <clears throat> excuse me, um, uh, his exploration thing where he goes to different places and does things. But he goes to the, to, he's hunting down the, is, is vampires just a myth or is there something behind it? And it was so interesting because, how did, they, oh yeah, yeah. They find this um, very, very, very old uh, skeleton. And this was in uh, Bulgaria, I think. And so he goes to see this, this skeleton. And it's very old. He says, can I take a, you know, they took the tooth um, and they analyzed it. Well, this, the reason that he was looking at it is because it was recently discovered and had the hallmarks of being a, what they do to keep a vampire from becoming a vampire. And, uh, you know, like uh, a blade to their neck and, you know, other weird things that, that they did. And here it is in skeletal form, and you can see that they were using the same ceremonies that they use even then, in that present day, um, to keep vampires from coming alive. So, they take this tooth, and <clears throat> this is where you get the question of myth. Is there something behind these myths? And then, you know, science that can explain why that occurred to begin with. Now, <clears throat> in the case of a vampire, we have the thing with the fangs and um, sensitivity to light. They can't be out in the daylight. And I'm trying to think, oh, garlic, you know, being, you know, uh, garlic will ward, push them away or something. And I think there's another one. But when they <laughs> took the did the scientific ana analysis of the DNA in this tooth, they found out that this person had died of a now known disease. And like the, the fang thing, well, this disease kind of like makes your gums recede so that you look like you've got too much teeth, you know, like fang things. It makes you light sensitive. It will... Um, make you sensitive to garlics, you don't like garlics. I mean, every every one of the telltale supposed markers of vampires was the same thing you saw in this disease. And I'm talking about, I don't know, a thousand years before that we're talking about the skeleton was maybe 800,000 years. I don't remember. I, didn't, I don't think I heard it. Um, but it just, I don't know what this thing is about vampires except i think it's this concept of you know 
sucking energies from us because well we're gonna it, in the second hour I'm gonna play a, a short tape of uh, of uh, David Ike and on radio 5g cosmic soup tomorrow I'm gonna play like an hour of that interview with dr. Merritt so he gets into <clears throat> I mean she was basically saying okay so who are these people and what what, what are they after and he got into talking about louche the energy that they suck from people um, in your world Derek is this a real thing you know that 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 the basic bottom line is that we're some kind of a energy food source for beings that are not Sasquatch they don't seem to be that type but you know Huh? Walt, can you talk to me? Uh, hello. Where, did everybody disappear? Well, are cutting out. Just so you know, my... <laughs> no, you cut out. You're back now. I just heard a word. What's wrong with his voice? He's cutting in and out. You must have a bad signal. I guess they don't want us talking about vampires. Are you cutting out? I, I think it's you. I get... Yeah, it's weird. Why does it, his voice sound high pitch? I'm not hearing it high I'll just, pitch. All right, I'm back. Okay. Are you back? Yeah, and I hear you guys fine now, so it must have been my end. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it was you. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> it's usually me. But... but yeah, but um, what I was asking you is, what do you think about this concept that there's some kind of uh, extraterrestrial, extra-dimensional group of people who, you know, uh, use us to get loose the energy that they survive on or get high on? I'm not sure which. It, it, do you know, uh, I mean, have you seen any of that? Do you think that's a possibility or poop? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, that's definitely a possibility. I mean, humans can do that if you focus enough sort of thing. So that's what I was talking about. Everybody's just staying armored no matter what your environment. Um, oh, yeah, there's definitely, I don't know everything out there, but there's definitely those that benefit from certain frequencies and usually they're heightened emotions that humans can project um, to their benefit. But it's not like they're yanking it off of you. They can get you to keep, I mean, I remember just from my perspective, because I sure don't know everything. Um, I've seen them heighten people, so keep them pissed off enough so they hold a certain frequency or I mean, just really go vague and, you know, energy. And but and then they do whatever they do with that. So, yeah, that's a thing. And humans can do it to humans, too. Especially, it depends on their understanding that the more you know it, just like the placebo effect, the more it's reality and it happens. Um, and there's people that do know that. And then they use it sometimes negatively. Uh, to affect others, sort of thing, in a in a not good way or something like that. I know my 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 grandfather did it. He would uh, purposely piss people off, relatives and non-relatives, and uh, and and you and he and you would see him laugh privately because I I realized then I didn't know at the time what was happening. I I realized now he was actually getting a kick out of the of that energy. He was actually feeding off of that because that, that as long as the person was pissed, 
it was it was giving him a high. So yeah, yeah, I saw that in the prison system for the sixteen years I was there as a guard. Uh, exactly, they would do. They wouldn't know what they were doing logically, but they just knew it, and you know. So it's oh yeah, it's a thing. And then do you can do it consciously? It's a whole lot more, um, you know, sometimes negatively affected on the other people. So uh, <clears throat> we could we, every time you go out, you really have to think about protecting yourself from these vampires because you don't know where they at, right? I mean, they could be living in your house for all we know. I struggled to meet. Oh yeah, we've all had family members. Well, many of us have had family members or friends or whomever that just felt out of alignment with you, and that could be a have, they could have a negative energy effect on you just from being out of alignment with you. Um, it's just oh yeah. So then stay armored, um, and then you're so basically holding your own positive energy. It, the word stronger doesn't really make sense, but you know more more synced around you. Um, again, it's just a visual thing, really, so I don't really have the words for it. But that's what you'd want to do. And then you're holding your own space. And then, I like to say, the BS of this reality doesn't affect you as much. And I say BS as far as anything negative to you. Um, it's all the energy things. So I'm like, me, go ahead. Well, yeah, but when we first started out with uh, Shungite, it was interesting because people would make some drastic changes in their personal life it would suddenly start to fall apart but in the falling apart they were building new lives and we called it the shungite smackdown people were, were, were you know talking about it all the time and again this is you know in the very beginnings of shungite getting out there and people starting to experience it and talk about it so I kind of sat back and said, well, what's this all about? And what I got was that when you've got the Shungite, like a Shungite pendant on, or you're carrying it or whatever, but or you're drinking the water, when you start to do that, your energy field wants to stabilize. It's sort of like the frequency of Shungite kind of pulls all the, all the energies that are kind of floating around you, get pulled together and you're the torsion fields, the tor in plural, that you know create our our energy field, they begin to move tighter. So the end result is that anytime you start to get emotionally unstable, the shungites wanting to bring you right back. And in talking to people about you know what's the difference between you know what before shungite and after shungite. There seemed to be a consensus that um, there are buttons that would get pushed and put them into a state of emotional, you know, heightened emotion. They'd see somebody pushing it, like a mate or somebody that, you know, your, your kid, pushing the button, and they would start to go off balance. But as soon as they did, they just, like, no, I'm not going to go there. So I I really want people to understand that there's a lot more to to Shungite than we even cover. I mean, I, I've been talking about this for a very long time, and there's stories and stories and stories and many stories that kind of get put to, put aside as we you know don't think about them. But that's one of the major benefits of Shungite, in my opinion. 
Anybody want to comment, or should we? Take yes, it's like the when you said, uh, for example, uh, we brought it. Uh, I don't remember if it was on the Say What show, where um, I brought up the subject. Uh, it was on this uh, two-hour video with uh, David Wilcock and Corey Good, and this uh, older gentleman. He looked to be in in his late eighties, and he's he was an an old naval officer, where he learned early on that every every single book in every single library whether it be a public library or a university library every every single book was disinformation because all these books had had been modified by the reptilians that came to this planet 6000 years ago so every piece of every single book was disinformation and you found it funny and you laughed at it because that's exactly what i was saying regarding electricity they every single book that you can buy anywhere says that the rules of electricity how electricity flows is the right hand rule and i told you no it's the left hand rule and they're doing it on purpose because when when the electricity flows correctly through the life left right left hand rule it's uh, uh it, it is less wasteful it's more productive that's what shanghai does but when it's run and when you're following the rules of the right hand, the flowing, everything is more expensive and more more wasteful. And it turns out, I was I was my suspicion was correct. They did it on purpose. They purposely did that. So every single book, physics, electricity, whatever, has has been altered to for the force people to project an incorrect reality a reality that's no good for them so that's so okay so what's one of those things that are not good for it well that's what shanghai is doing is actually correcting that the incorrect reality that they were that they hoisted on us and that's so in, a good that's a good uh introduction to what i'll play after the break here we'll, <laughs> we'll have a doc a doctor we'll have what well, was dr Merritt that was interviewing um uh, Ike, David Ike, and we'll tell you a story about David Ike in Shanghai. We'll be right back. Yo, 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 yo,
And welcome to Shanghai Reality Second Hour for November 7th, 2023. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Derek Condit and Mark Joseph Walt Silva. Um, I'm assuming you guys are back, yes? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I'm here listening. Okay. So this is like <clears throat> 13 minutes, and it's David Ike talking to Dr. Lee Merritt. Here we go. Uh, and so then after the turn of the millennium, I one day I had this overwhelming feeling that this is a simulation. Now, I'd had some thoughts about it before, and I, I thought, mm, not sure this is not a simulation. But at this point, just after the millennium, I, it was overwhelming. And what, what, what came to me was this is a simulation akin to a virtual reality game, only vastly more advanced. And the limit of the simulation, at this level of it, there are other levels, is the speed of light, which is why the speed of light appears to be, it's not, it appears to be the fastest speed. And um, so I started talking about that. And again, what do you want about me? But then as the years have passed, um, more and more mainstream scientists have started talking about it and saying, it does look like it's a simulation. You've got People like uh, Rich Terrell, uh, who worked at NASA uh, in the computer uh, yeah. area, who went public in 2017, I think it was, saying that he concluded that we live in a holographic simulation, exactly, um, and that as a result, it couldn't have been a natural uh, development, it had to be co- uh, constructed by some intelligence. Uh, you had um, people like... Um, a guy called Gates, James Gates, who was a uh, scientific advisor to the Obama administration. Um, He doesn't go as far as his simulation, but what he's found with his team is um, codes within the energetic fabric of our reality, which match 
the code should find in computers and browsers and search engines. Then there's um, the Max uh, Tegmark at the MIT, who uh, wrote a book called uh, Mathematical Universe, in which he points out that the physics of computer games match the physics of our reality. And it's one of the things that I've really seen so clearly over the, the years, and even more tangibly now, um, is how this, um, this explosion of technology that's coming in to basically take the world over, look at it, is mirroring in holographics, in uh, virtual reality games, in computerization. It's mirroring the very reality we're experiencing. It's a technological um, version, mimicking our, our, uh, our reality. Um, and the other um, thing that I got um, when I was getting this thing about the, the simulation is that what we call the laws of physics are really the codes of the simulation. Because mm. when you're... When you're you're writing a simulation uh, 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 game, you, uh, the creator is writing the codes that dictate how the game is played and what the limits of the game are. I say that's what we call the laws of physics. Uh, and uh, so um, then you, you look at things like um, these codes and recurring uh, measurements and geometry within the fabric of our reality. Um, for instance, uh, the way that storms form, the way that plants grow, the way you have the proportions of the human face and the human body, they, they break down to a series of codes, which is, which is well uh, documented, not just in the esoteric, but it's known uh, in the, the, the mainstream as well. They, they break down to things like what they call pi and golden mean, divine proportion, right. the Fibonacci number sequence, um, the fractal patterns, which, which fractal patterns relate to the holographic um, principle of as above, so below, every uh, smaller version of a, a fractal pattern or a hologram is a smaller version of the whole pattern or the whole hologram. And I say that um, these uh, recurring codes are actually codes of the simulation. Uh, and I say that the genetic code of the body is, is, a, is a computer code, in effect. I, I've been calling the body since the 1990s a biological computer. And uh, what I'm saying in the dream is that what this is doing is decoding the simulation in exactly the way that a, a computer decodes Wi-Fi. So if you said to um, right. somebody uh, about um, who, didn't, who knew nothing about computers, if you said to them that there's a, a field of information in this room or wherever that you can tap into, and you can tap into a whole worldwide reality, a vast reality of information, and that you can tap into it in Australia or South Africa or America or London or wherever. If they didn't know anything about computers, they'd say you were crazy. 
normal reaction. If it's not normal and I can't see it or touch it, then it doesn't exist. Um, but if you said exactly the same to someone who knows about computers, knows about Wi-Fi, as everyone does now, then they'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know about computers and Wi-Fi. Yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah. And the only difference between, oh, yeah, I understand that. And you're mad is knowledge. So if you can suppress knowledge, you suppress. Mm -hmm. And this is what I've been saying over the years. One of the greatest forms of human control is suppression of a sense of the possible. Because if you can suppress that, then when people like me and others are pointing out uh, how we're being controlled and how we're being controlled is operating outside their sense of the possible, then they'll dismiss it by reflex action because it's not possible, mate. No, no. Don't confuse what you believe is possible, perceive is possible and what is actually uh, possible. So keeping knowledge from us, particularly about the nature of reality, is fundamental. This is why this global cult controls science controls academia because it doesn't want people to go there so um if, if you then look at um you, you you say to someone um tell me about the internet they'll say yeah well the internet is um it's videos and it's graphics and it's words and it's all that stuff um on the on the computer screen okay yeah all right that's the only place the Internet exists in that form. It doesn't exist anywhere else in that form. It's Wi-Fi fields or it's electronic circuits. And then you say, well, OK, um, where is the Internet that you perceive as the Internet? What well, is on the screen? What does that mean? It means it's in the computer. That's where the decoding is going on in the computer. You know, the, 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 the right. Internet screen is not here or here or here or here it's here and so um if you then look at how we decode reality and a lot of this is mainstream science is the five senses are picking up frequency information wave field information waveform information turning it into electrical information which it communicates to the brain and the brain i say um, decodes it into digital holographic information, which we perceive to be the external world, but it's not actually external. It's in here, just as the Internet is in the computer in the form that we see it. Um, and uh, so if just uh, going on that uh, on that theme. I'm saying that the body is the equivalent of a virtual reality game headset right. and you can add the gloves with the most sophisticated ones which are picking up touch senses and the, the, the audio and, and, and what have you and if you look um, anyone can go on the internet and find a compilation of people putting on a headset and then watch what happens all they're doing is being fed information which well and and, and What's the entry point of the information? It's the five senses again. They override them. And so um, you see people, they've just got a headset on. That's all they have. And they're, they're being fed information. And they're screaming and they're shouting and they're falling over and they're running. Um, and, and they're standing in an empty room. But their perception is that what's happening is happening. And then they take the headset off. And they can say, oh, it's just a game. But if so then, this biological computer is our equivalent of the right. headset and it's decoding 
the simulation as an experience, quote, physical reality, our entire lives. And the only way you can stop that is to leave the body and leave the world. Then um, you're going to go from cradle to grave, believing that what this is feeding you as an, uh, an external physical reality is an external physical reality. And just finally, if you know that, yeah. and this is what, I mean, okay, this global cult is a global network of secret societies. Secret societies, why? Because the secrets are what they want to keep from the population. And even the, the cult itself is massively compartmentalized, so only a very rare few actually know the big picture of all this. But what's passed on through the upper levels of this um, secret society network is A, the plan for humanity, which they want to keep from us, obviously, although it's much more difficult now, it's playing out in our eyes. But they also cr crucially want to keep from us the nature of reality. Because if we, if we um, have a perception of reality that it's all real and they know it's not, then they are in a fantastic position manipulation oh. and uh so that's where that's where i go and, and a lot deeper um in in the dream and that's that's where the whole thing's taken me and just very quickly in um in um april 2021 best part of 20 years after i started saying this is a simulation um there was a, a an article in um in scientific american by an academic who said he concluded that this is a simulation and the limit of the simulation is the speed of light. And he related the speed of light to what he called processing speed, in the sense that you can you can encode the game with your rules, laws of physics, but you're still going to be limited by your processing speed, as he calls it. Um, so, um, yeah, it's it's been quite a bloody journey, <laughs> Lee, to say I the bet. least, to get where I am now. Well, I just had... So Along this line, I mean, so that's the big picture that this is a simulation. But the question then becomes, and this is kind of where I am. I mean, are we it, the question has to be asked then, are we nothing but digits on a computer somewhere? And there are these people out there playing the game and there's where we are. Or were we somehow captured? Are we in a prison planet? And this simulation has been imposed on us from without. But we actually have substance reality of some sort. You know, I, I th I'd like to think we are children of light and that we're, you know, made of the substance of God, you know, whatever reality God is, that we have we are that light force and that they've imposed this reality on us. You know, it's like I, I just I hate to think I hate to think that this is all just completely we don't exist at all in any form. That just doesn't. Set oh, well. No, no, no. So, Mark, why don't we start with you? What did what did you gleam off of that? You may have heard that concept before because you do follow Ike. Yeah, <clears throat> he's been promoting the book called The Dream as far as the whole simulation thing. And um, I've been following that for a couple of decades now, looking into consciousness and David Talbot's uh, holographic universe. And it, it makes sense because... Um, I mean, like video game addiction is a big thing, uh, you know, in, in all over the world. And when you go through enough um, different mental technologies and you have these different um, dimensional consciousness experiences, you 
and that there are other realities more real experientially uh, than this one, then you know that you're basically living in a video game or, like he says, simulation. And, of course, you have all these movies that predictive programming show that. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that, that's how um, I've been going through life. And there is a, a structure, and um, that, that's the definition of magic, too, is, um, uh, what do you call it, um, the hidden laws of nature. There is a physics to it. And so, you know, things like the secret law of attraction, what you guys talk about in the other shows. Um, yeah, it's a, fun, it's a fun thing to delve into and people's different interpretations of, of going about it. Um, yeah, so like, it, it's like when you wake up in the dream, it's lucid dreaming. You can wake up in this 3D uh, um, level and, and it's lucid waking. And that <clears throat> there are also other levels, obviously, of um, higher frequencies, 5D and all that stuff. So, yeah, we're lucky to be in this in this time of uh, transition, and um, I like what you guys cover in, in your shows, like the Say What Show was talking about, that where, um, you know, uh, uh, your other shows cover a lot of current events, but um, on Saturday on the Say What Show, Jan was talking about how to recontextualize that in terms of the bigger picture of uh, consciousness and how it affects one personally in empowerment. So I, I thought that was a really good show and you guys covered a lot of good uh, topics there. But um, yeah, so that's what keeps me going with these things that it's, it's um, the thing of uh, spirals within spirals that it, it's the more you learn, uh, the more you know that you don't know. So uh, back to you guys. Well, and Radio 5G tomorrow, I like I said, I play, you know, an hour worth of this uh, discussion that they have. And then in the second hour, what I did was I took clips from um, Tucker Carlson and from uh, Jesse Waters, short ones. Because part of what he's talking about that he gets into, it, it, the, the actual show was a, uh, an hour and 20 minutes and he gets into a discussion of how they control us, how they create a reality that they want us to see. And <clears throat> those two guys were taking things that we think are real and turning them around, like um, that George Floyd did not was not murdered. He died of natural causes, including fentanyl poisoning. That's just the medical examiner's actual report. <clears throat> so, things that we thought were real, and they just discussed them. So, I highly recommend that if you've enjoyed what you just heard, um, listen to radio, Cosmic Reality, I mean, Radio 5G's Cosmic Soup tomorrow at uh, noontime, and then it'll be in the uh, podcast and in the, in the uh, archives. Um, okay, so, <clears throat> Derek... Or, or Walt, either one, but Derek, let's start with you. Um, what's your opinion of what you heard? Um, well, I mean, the problem is it's everything's perspective. So we start talking about, you know, simulations and things like that or, or code. I mean, we all jump to, you know, the, the games we have down here or the different, pro, uh, you know, different software things. And that's a limiting way to look at it. So it kind of makes sense when they describe it that way, but that's not the 
you know, you're only getting so much because I also only have limited time. I don't think you saw that chat yet, Nancy, um, but I will be having to step out early. Um, but I don't like the, how we describe it that way as simulations and things, because then that limits it, it makes, puts out the, um, the idea that you're not real. It's just, you know, codes and, this, you know, like computer code and stuff. That's just because we have a limited way of describing things down here um, where you can, I don't have a better way of describing it either. So I'm not saying that I'm actually trying to think of one now, but it's more of a, a branching off. You know, I guess the closest thing I've seen is uh, the multiverse idea out there, that sort of deal. Um, well, Derek, there's a simple way, which came first. Because the, the, the simulation that they're referring is, is uh, artificially and it's it's made with electricity, you know, man-made stuff. Let's 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 look at a reality with without any of that stuff. So, what which came first, the human or the or the simulation? <laughs> That's the simple simple way of seeing it. Because he's giving too much credence oh, to the to the created stuff, the computer here, the computer there. Okay, forget about the computer. That's why I put in the chat. Look at Anastasia. Anastasia lives with electricity, and she can teleport. Impressed yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I don't even see it that way. It's, uh, I mean, it just again, it's always a play of words. Think of so I don't think call it simulation, a reality, a density, a dimension, whatever, a stage that humans just a vehicle. They're not us. And I keep hearing them, and that's brought into different areas or different people I'm talking to. Often they're they're kind of limiting that understanding to that that's not even us anyway there are vehicles that are made in that environment let's say that us conscious light entities just for you know lack of a better way of describing it enter to play that vehicle out and play a role i mean that's how it all goes and then there's always more depth to it but often in these discussions we limit ourselves on like on that podcast or whatever well we're the human no you're not you're not your car when you jump in it and drive somewhere. That's now, you know, you inside the car moving through that reality. It's, it's different. So we have to change our perspective. Otherwise, we're just going to get stuck in a story forever. And it can loop back and forth and we'll go generations and get nowhere. Um, but it's, I just always hear the discussion that humans, you're human. You're you knowing, oh, no, that's okay. You're having a human experience. You can word it that way, but you're not a human. So you're not stuck here. You're stuck here if you think you are. That's the only limitation there. Whatever they get you to believe, whatever Kool-Aid they'll give you, if you drink it, that's what you're going to have. You just have to wake up to the greater reality, have those epiphanies or aha moments we talk about, and that's when you have more options. I'm not saying you had to break out of anywhere. You're not in some prison unless you believe you are. And there's been movies written on that. Who says, like, even they grab you physically, shove you in a prison cell. You're not you didn't prison your mind. That's not a thing. That your body's not you. They put your vehicle in prison. Your mind isn't. If you have the limited understanding that you're stuck in your body, well, then you, you get what you get. Well, you notice that he doesn't he doesn't give any validity to that in his presentation because mm -hmm. he's he's putting you completely. You're you're a human. You're a physical body. And what what about the the business of the the human is a creator? Did he forget about that? Did he leave that out of the equation? Yeah, and you know, <laughs> with all due respect, boys, it's a, it's a thirteen minute segment of the man's life that goes back thirty, forty years. 
Oh, I'm not dissing David Icke. I'm just talking about, so I speak in general about various <laughs> ways some of these things are described. doesn't matter who's talking about it. Often this, the discussion limits you to in that little vehicle. I'm like, I don't, why would somebody be doing that? I mean, that doesn't make sense to me. Once you know it, don't forget it. You gotta, and then you got to work that into all aspects of what you're talking about, not pick and choose. It's like seeing a food in front of you. If it's smelly, no, you need to pay attention to that. You don't get to just sometimes decide that because it's probably alerting you to something like it's rotten or, you know, I, that's a poor analogy, but I need somewhere to describe it. You know, often we as humans pick and choose. So do I on a daily basis. Sometimes this, that, and the other don't, I don't look at the bigger picture realizing I'm not stuck in this body. And that's when I'll, if I have an injury, I'll eventually wake back in my head. Go, oh, what the heck am I doing with this pain in my knee? I know better than that. And then do the healing thing. And it's tough for all of us to stay, you know, to not get stuck in that limited perspective, but. Well, we're under attack at all levels, <laughs> you know, but thankfully we've got each other to keep reminding each other. That's why we do this. Uh, I have a, I have a, I hoping you're going to remember this um, and then I didn't make it up, but you were doing something with um, a video, uh, you know, the mind game thing, the headset piece thing. Mm-hmm. And you said that you could look down at what was supposed to be the floor and see a whole bunch of geometric figures. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you describe that and kind of like, because that I, that stuck in my mind as being some kind of a clue. I'm <laughs> not sure what it is. I've seen a similar thing now in, I don't know if it was a game or a movie or something else, but it looked like... Uh, again, some people call them grid patterns. So we're talking about like, it wasn't 2D, but it was under my feet. It was a bunch of spinning shapes. And yes, I could pluck out any and name about 20 different shapes I would have seen in there, but it wasn't any, just one of them. They were like stacked and interwoven and spinning in each other. I'm trying to think of um, like sometimes in movies, I don't have a movie to give you, but you'll stand on that spot and they'll say it's, I'm activating a portal or this, that, and the other, and you'll see weird. So it was, like that and I didn't again I couldn't take a photo of it or snapshot but it was a lot of moving geometry um and it was a tuning thing when I checked on it It was like it's tuning so but I I don't know what from there it was doing but yeah I do remember the geometry um it was in a oh geez some virtual game I virtual reality goggles you said oh it was virtual reality goggles um geez Diablo or some game like that, you know, some one of those really bad games. And I don't play these things, but I do know about them, of course. Um, so I think it's maybe in one of those. It's not just one game. It's not like, oh, everybody go throw away that game. It's in all kinds of that stuff. But yeah, there was a, I don't know, that, that connection, energy hold under my feet and I looked down. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that since I told you about it. Do you think that you saw it because you were second sighting it or because you were, the game allows people to see it? That one was not in the game, but I know there are games that do that because I've since, and I don't even have that set up anymore, um, where you could well, put one probably, in. Prob- probably because people were seeing it. So oh. if they're seeing it, let's just put this in there as distraction. Yeah, no, it's, you know, I mean, so some things have it where you can see the graphics under there. I mean, it's a meant-to-be thing. In this case, it wasn't. Um, but some there are, some there's not. There's all kinds of stuff in there. When you start seeing... Uh, hexagons like in the movies too if all of a sudden the wallpaper or there's a scene in this movie or whatever and all of a sudden there's hexagon shaped tiles right i mean that that's a little hidden shape 
that you can pay attention to. Um, clearly, a high energy shape for a reason. It's a, like a, I don't know, a backdrop, like a projection screen or something. Um, you can do a lot with that shape, which is why bees use it as well. Well, isn't it just one face facet of the Shungite uh, C6? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's made of hexagons and pentagons. Um, so it's one layer or, you know, perspective. So, yeah, like there's always more. And then you start imagining, even if you just see the, okay, well, that's one way people can be careful when you guys do this too. So if you see, let's say those uh, hexagons in, and you go, oh, that's right, crazy. Derek was saying this. And this. Okay. In that moment, when you see it, just imagine, tune in to the other 90% of reality, that that little hexagon is attached to the pentagons, and that it really is a C60 molecule. And all of those in that tile in this description is. And then all of a sudden, just, oh, don't steer it, but let your imagination be open and see what comes in. That's one way you can tune in to other frequencies. My, my ears just went off the charts again. By just having those thoughts or realizations, and then you never know what will happen kind of thing. So that's one way you can pick up on stuff, and one way I've learned to do it. I, I don't know if others do it that way. Never heard it or read it that way, but that's what because it grabs your attention, especially certain shapes. I would say just go ahead, and just you know, let the other ninety percent of it manifest in your emotions and imagination, because then you'll use your emotions as like an antenna. I'm not saying you're going to sit there and cry or laugh with it. No, but your emotions hold a lot of frequencies that you don't perceive on the physical. So if you just let them be accessed and use your imagination. I'm not saying anything in you. I'm just saying you just perceive that way. You can often see a whole heck of a lot more. That's why you can grab orbs too. So if you go, what's an orb? You're just seeing it on the, if you're even seeing it visually on the visual spectrum, um, but often you are. Then if you let your imagination go, that little orb, let's say, that's shooting through your living room or whatever, can turn into something. Else. Or the one you see in a snapshot that somebody maybe sent you, you saw online. That's how you can do those things. You can tune in to more than just that you know, 2D image or whatever you're looking at, or if it's a video. Yeah, those orb things can be kind of spooky. Uh, I've seen faces in it. Yeah, you see all kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, it's like they're not just bubbles or lint on the lens. Um, yeah. I am going to have to go. I should probably go ahead and check out now, now that I'm still on and not muted and just say goodbye because I do have to run. I got a couple of things I have no, so I have no choice. I have to take care of. Um, but I will be here next week. All right. Well, um, good luck with the inspection and all that. And um, I'll talk to you soon. Yep. Awesome. Thank great you. you guys. Have a great day, Mark, Walt, and everybody. Take care. All right. Take care. Okay. So, um, all right, so we're here by ourselves. What would you like to talk about, Mark? Uh, let me play this clip here and make sure. So, uh, what was it? Last week we were talking, what was it? Radio 5G was, uh, this term came up on the Say What Show, Watiko. Um, and you guys were going off on it. And I wanted to play, um, th there's a few Watiko books in, in um, Inner Traditions, I think it's called. And... Let me see if I got the setup here. Uh, no. So, um, Paul Levy is the author. And, um, let's see, I'm just trying to set up here. It's uh, Undreaming with Tico is his newest one. I listened to a couple interviews last night. Um, 
I think I had it set. Let, 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 let me see if this will play here. Um, take a few seconds. But it's about a mind virus, um, like the nightmare mind virus. That's what he, he, he calls it. I was uh, reading something that Greg, something that Greg Reese put out. I don't know if you know who Greg Reese is, but he does the Greg Reese report for Alex Jones Infowars, and he does these nice concentrated videos on key topics. No, I got I got to re realign it. I had it set up. Um, but what did you think of Jan's take of looking at current events with um, a broader lens rather than getting stuck in it? You know, and the way she's setting up her shows of like just article after article. But then if you have, if you balance it out with um, the wider lens, and Shanghai does this too, where it does ground us and expand our energies in the liner, our different um, uh, chakra points. And so we do, we are able to um, connect the dots more. I thought that was a good discussion in the Say What show. Was there a question? Yeah, uh, I mean, viewing uh, current events in um, in a wider lens, like personal okay. empowerment and, and those themes she was mentioning. Yeah, well, that's the only way you can really look at it. Because, um, first off, the whole situation is very fluid. Anybody who says they know what's happening is probably hoping <laughs> themselves you know but you take it a little bit at a time and trust your guides because the guides are going to give you the information you need you're going to see something that you need to know anything you need to know somehow or another your guides are going to get the information to you so you don't have to worry about you know Oh my God, is there something happening? Is there something happening? You know, leave that up to people like me. <laughs> you know, I just turn the TV on and say, is there something happening? You know, and let, let it take off from there. But if you don't look at it as pieces of the pie, but you look at the entire pie, you get a totally different perspective on what all is happening. And... I, you know, I mean, I, I did not, I do not understand that concept of, what are we calling it? What, what, what is it? Got the wrong page. What we were talking about. What, Kiko? I'm still not sure what that is, except that supposedly we're born with this weakness in it us it's called that by a certain group of native americans but beyond I got, that i got the clip ready this guy okay go go please even a 200 page book is a lot of work and you've written three volumes on Watigo. so what is Watigo, and why have you put the effort to write three books on it i guess the first thing i want to say in the castaneda books carlos's teacher says to him he didn't have the name Watiko, but he was pointing at exactly Watiko. He called it a number of different names, like the predator being one. He says for shamans, this is the topic of topics. Yes. In other words, there's nothing more important. This is Watiko is at the root. It's this, this virus of the mind. And it's at the root of the collective madness that we're playing out and of the incredible evil 
that's manifesting in our world. And when people hear a mind virus idea, they, you know, some people, well, that sounds woo woo or new agey or, you know, crazy or whatever. But in essence, all that it's meaning is that the source and the solution of the of the madness of the collective madness that's playing out is to be found within the human psyche that's in essence what i'm pointing out and so the idea of watiko it's a native american term and you know they call it either you know cannibal sickness or the sickness of exploitation and it's really the source of the greatest evil you know and what i'm pointing out because i i have a big chapter on quantum physics and Watiko, I point out that Watiko is a quantum phenomena. And that's to say that just like light is a wave or a particle, depending on how it's observed, Watiko is the source of the greatest evil, and it's actually the greatest catalyst for human evolution that we've ever known. That it's actually helping us to wake up. It's a superposition of states, and how it manifests, either it's gonna, you know, it's gonna help us awaken or it's gonna take us down and kill us. How it manifests depends on if we recognize what it's showing us. That Watiko is like this, this living like revelation. And but it's a revelation through the dark. It's not like a revelation from on high through the heavens. Like think about Christ two thousand years ago. He descended, you know, from you know, from above. No, Watiko, it's a revelation that's coming from the depths, from through the darkness. And so the thing is, it operates through the blind spots and through the projective tendencies of the mind such that we literally entrance ourselves through the genius of our own superhero power of co-creating our reality. Because we're literally creating our experience moment by moment. No one else is doing that. We're doing that. What Watiko does, it plugs into that intrinsic ability and it actually we hypnotize ourselves so that our own creative genius gets turned against us in a way that's killing us and i'm describing both individually and collectively that's what we're doing as a species so instead of just focusing on oh like the war in ukraine madness or the vaccine menace i'm saying no all of those are expressions of something deeper and that something deeper is to be found within the human psyche and Watiko, I can go on and on just describing it, but I want to give your the people who are hearing this a foundation. It's a form of blindness. It's a psychic blindness, but it's a peculiar form of blindness that believes it's sighted. And not only that, it believes it's more sighted than people who actually see. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's so wild where, you know, um, and, and keep in mind, you know, I point out that the war, there's a war going on in our world, and it's a war on consciousness. Oh, absolutely. Our consciousness, and with all the misinformation and disinformation and propaganda, and I'm just again and again stunned by how asleep, particularly Americans are, about what's actually happening in the evil that's actually getting dreamed up in our world, that it's going to impact all of us, but it only can do that to the extent we're not aware of it. And so Watiko only has power over us to the extent that we're unconscious of it. And that's why my whole work is trying to shed light on what the natives call Watiko, on how it works through the non-local field, how it informs and gives shape to what's happening in the world, how it affects our own unconscious reactions, how it operates through our minds. And once you see it, guess what? Then you take away its power over you and, and you actually become empowered. 
So that's what my work is about, is trying. And keep in mind, I'm just a translator. It's not like this is my idea. Every spiritual tradition throughout history has been pointing at this, you know. I know Buddhism is full of it. Yeah, oh, totally. And and in even in, in the Bible, the Bible talks about a mind blindness. You know, people have eyes but don't see. They've closed their eyes, which is pointing at, yeah, we're participating. We are creating our own blindness. No one else is blinding us. We are doing it to ourselves. And the Bible correlates that to a cold-heartedness. Our heart gets armored and closed. That's part of the blindness. In the apocryphal texts, they actually talk about what Tico, they call it the counterfeiting spirit. And, and of course, that got that got edited out of the Bible because I point out that when Tico was on the editorial board, it doesn't want to be exposed. <laughs> no, I read that. I read that. And it made me laugh. Yeah, 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 totally. Because you know, if it's exposed, then it becomes unemployed. Then it becomes powerless. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I'll get I'll get back to the counterfeiting spirit. But even in Islam, in the Quran, in the Holy Quran, and I talk about this in my new book. They they're warning about what Tico, the last of of like the actual like surahs in the in the quran you know the, the it's like the voice of god it's warning about what you go and it calls it the slinking prompter that's its name and it prompts us to react unconsciously it prompts us to evil but when you see it it becomes feeble and it slinks off it slinks away because it's it has no power that's why they call it the slinking prompter but the counterfeiting spirit in the bible is really interesting because what the Bible is saying in the apocryphal text, it's saying, yeah, this counterfeiting spirit, it's the source of the greatest evil, but it has no creativity at all. It plugs into our creativity in a way that turns it against ourselves. And, and then it offers us a fictitious identity, a false version. Oh, you're wounded, you're limited, you're traumatized. If we're not awake in that moment, and if we take on what he goes version of ourselves is being limited and wounded and traumatized oh i'm not creative i'm stuck whatever then it has us then it can manipulate and control us and and what i'm describing if you think about it so what tico the encapsulation is it actually can't steal our soul but it tricks us it's a trickster it tricks us into giving it away then we identify with who we're not okay and then we forget who we actually are because when we remember who we are, that's the greatest protection against Watiko. Then it has no currency over us at all. And then we disconnect from our creative agency. That's a recipe for madness. And that's Watiko in a nutshell. So that's from uh, <clears throat> podcast Living 4D with Paul Check, C-H-E-K, um, October 3rd this year um, interview. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, he's, rede he's redefining the not-self-mind that's uh, presented in human design because that's what, you, that's what you learn in human design. Don't use the mind to make decisions because the mind doesn't know who you are. That's why you, you, you learn what, depending on your human design, what your inner authority is, and that's your freedom because you, your body knows how to make the right decisions for you. The mind doesn't know. Uh, if the mind knew what is the correct decision for you, it wouldn't give you pros and cons. <laughs> you spend hours, maybe I should do this. No, but then th this would happen. Oh, but what if that happens? And and that's not you. That's exactly in uh, that what Tico in a nutshell. Because the mind doesn't know the right answer for you, but your body does because you do have an inner authority. 
that's why so many people don't uh, make mistakes because they're not using their inner authority. So it's very interesting. Yeah, it's that thing of not being in the moment here and now where pe people are in the past or the future. And it's the body, it's the nervous system that is connected to source and how like with intuition, instinct, you, you get the, about the body feeling mm -hmm. before the mind you know, it comes to the mind. That's, that's one thing that uh, uh, either he's not aware of it or he just didn't mention it in the show. The All the body cells are awakened to intelligent infinity. The only part of the, the, the mind, the mind, the, the brain inside your head, it's, that's the one that's affected by the veil of forgetting. That's why we get, uh, we are uh, so easy to be tricked because the, the body... That's why dowsing works. That's why you can ask correct yes or no questions of your dowsing because it's not the mind answering the question. It's the body cells or the body cells are open and connected to intelligent infinity. Whereas that's, that's why I use dowsing in order to do my devices because the mind doesn't know the answer to my question, but the body does. So as long as you're relying on the body, then you, you will have the right answer. So this this would that's the one thing that this we, we, what Tico thing he's not mentioning it is the mind unfortunately is still affected by the veil of forgetting. It's still affected by the veil of forgetting. So the veil of forgetting doesn't let you see the correct answer for you. When you are awakened to the, the what is the correct answer for you, well there is no Watiko involved because you know what the right answer is. No matter how <laughs> what no matter what it tries to tell you. You'll you'll just simply say, oh, oh, I'm sorry, that's not the right answer. Goodbye. Have a nice day. <laughs> so, but people are waking up. The 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 this presentation by this gentleman is is proof positive how quickly people are waking up. Years ago, you wouldn't hear that, or or if you heard it, nobody would listen to it. But more and more people are hearing it. That just tells you how 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 quickly it's growing, because that's that, that's the one thing that uh, they they don't that, that they don't want you to discover what an amazing creator you are. So and people are waking up to that, and as the more they wake up, okay, it's it's an it's an avalanche. There's they're not going to stop it. Yeah, it's a uh, uh, peeling the layers of the onion. <laughs> And then these distractions, you kind of see it's it's a mirror, it's a reflection. That's what <clears throat> I mean. The the interview is almost three hours, and like you know, it, it's it, it's really good. But um, all this externalization is just a reflection of of the the you know where someone is at. Well, the thing here's the the part that uh, the humans are not aware of. For a, a very long time, you believe that there's there's some kind of weakness in us. And we have to fight against these things. Okay, we have this character weakness, personality weakness. We have to deal with this issue. We have to deal with that issue. With it, we have to deal with this emotional issue. With it. Okay, fine. The, the, all these things exist, but we are forgetting how not accidental they are. We are le forgetting that there is a group of intelligent beings that actually dedicated their existence to making life impossible for us. 
So when you wake up to the fact that, oh, none of this is my making, somebody else is making it because they like making my life incredible, then I'm not, I'm not buying that anymore, so I'm not going to participate. So this is one of the biggest, the, the biggest obstacles that we blame, guilt. They are so fantastic. They are so powerful. They are so overriding. We have all this blame. We have all this guilt. Oh, we made this mistake. Oh, we made that mistake. And we take all responsibility. They take full responsibility for all. But no, well, no, we, I'm not responsible for this because you were created cl clean and clear and full of light. So where did you get this idea that you make these mistakes? Well, <clears throat> because there is a group of intelligent beings on this planet who for centuries made it their business to make life unbearable. Uh, and then it's only bearable for them. It's wonderful for them. For the rest of us, we're uh, slaves and we we have to wake up from this. So it's, in make, it's easier to get out from under the faster we realize, okay, I didn't make this. This is, the, I know I'm enjoying this disgusting nightmare for what it is, but it, it's not my idea of, of, a, of a good life. So I'm going to wake up from it. I'm going to grow up and get the hell out of this fantastic uh, nightmare. And good, you know, thank you for the lessons, but goodbye and move on. So that's the first thing we got to do. We got to stop blaming ourselves. Oh, I made the mistake, this mistake. Oh, I made that mistake. Oh, I'm never going to learn this. Oh, I'm never. No, 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 no. You, we did. We, we are not aware how we did not agree to this. I know we are supposed to, you know, in life you have to, all these lessons to grow in order to grow up in wisdom and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I get all that. But no. We did not create this. We we came to enjoy this nightmare for what it is, but we didn't create it. I'm on, and that's why you have fantastic people like Dolly who want to get the hell out of here because she's fed up with this nightmare. <laughs> and I don't blame her. <laughs> so, But no, I'm not going to take any more guilt, any more blame, because I did not make this. So we just, we are, we are, constant consistent creators now it's our job to start creating what our reality the one that we want not the one that they want okay goodbye to you and your and your, rea your disgusting reality we're just going to make the one we want and that's it that's how you start waking up well, i think we've made it <laughs> <laughs> or in the process of making it but you know i mean the question earlier about, you know, how do you look at it object objectively? It's gotten to the point where you kind of like, it's the only way you can look at it. Because it's gone into a situation of being absolutely absurd. <laughs> Everything is upside down. I mean, and I'm not just the only one saying it. The people that are trying, trying, trying Doesn't to Doesn't make sense you, anymore, does it? The, the news, you know, they're going like, well, uh, you know, it's all upside down. It's all upside down. How do you know what's happening? It's upside down. And um, so if, if you just accept the fact that, yes, it's, it's so upside down that there's no way you can knowingly play the game. It's like the rules have changed to whatever game was being played. 
And that the rule change came when there was an alternative game table. And that's our reality. So when, there, the, when we started to do this, and, it, and you know, this has been happening for a long time, even before probably we were alive. But each and every one of us that has gone through a exercise of realizing that, no, we got to create a new reality. That other one is really sucky. And <laughs> did whatever you did. We're all doing our own version of, I, I think of it as we're all independent waves, but we're going to the same beach. How we get there is our own path. And that's the way I see it. So, you know, um, that's why you'll hear me take credit for saving the world a number of times. But not just me, but I was a participant because the possibility of saving the world was there. You know, do you think that, you know, you want to, try to save the world well i could decide oh this is crazy i'm not gonna well what about what can i do or say oh we're playing this game well okay i'll play it's a decision making thing that we do through our lives and you either decide to you know play a game that makes sense which the that reality is doesn't make any sense so look at that reality see what's going wrong get the you know, theoretical learning from it, but don't be be consumed by it because what we want to be consumed by is this new reality that we're creating. That I say that is, you know, fundamentally all there. We just have to kind of fill in the details. Well, we outgrew the playbook. The playbook is so old and nobody has upgraded it. It's that we've outgrown it, so it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, we look at it and it, this this doesn't make any sense. Who wrote this? This doesn't make any sense. Well, that's that's what happens when you don't upgrade your material. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Hope hopefully we upgrade our material on a show by show basis. <laughs> it can be a struggle, I'll tell you. But um, so tonight we're going to do a uh, cosmic reality show. Gee, I hope we have a list or something. Well, I think it's just, I, I think uh, Dolly has a as a key to something because for some reason she hasn't seen or heard her Posse or Dave, and that's I I think that's rare. I, something's going on on the other side that for some reason they're keeping mum. I don't know. Something's going on. They're they're not needed right oh. now. Oh, I see. That's just what I got. Oh, out. okay. Yeah. So we we have grown them. Is that what you're saying? No, no. It's just that there's nothing to tell us right now. We we got it. We got it in hand. We know it's an illusion. Oh. We're working. It's it's happening, and they're just you know doing their own thing. They don't they they. If you if we needed them, if she needed them, they'd be there. Oh. So. Um. Yeah, and we're going to be reading Matthew Ward's newest update. Yeah, depressing as heck. So <laughs> I, I went through it really quickly. I didn't see it as being depressing, but oh. oh well. Mark, you want to say anything here? Yeah, last couple of minutes. So there is an update from Cliff High on Shungite measuring and for remote viewing and, and a Russian update too. We'll play the clip next week, but it's on the substack, cliffhigh.substack.com. It's from November 1st. It's um, 
effing stalkers is the name of the thing, and a little after five minutes. So credit to the person in the Shungite Reality Facebook group for, for uh, telling us. That should be a good clip. Okay, then. And Walt, you want to say goodnight? Well, I thank you for uh, having patience with me and uh, waiting for me to finally show up. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. And uh, love blankets to everyone. Goodbye, everyone. So um, tonight, Shungite Show, and um, we appreciate you all being here. Be safe. We'll see you next time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You have been listening to the Shanghai Radio Show, produced by Cosmic Reality Radio. Thank you for being here. Be safe.